Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Welcome. If this is your first time here, I'm not the regular guy. I'm the summer guy, along with Jack, who uh, is not here this morning. We're grateful to have Brendan and his wife, Stephanie, back with us, and they're plus one. (laughs) You're you're welcome here. And all of you who are worshiping with us for the first time, if if I've interacted with you, I've said you're not only welcomed here, you're wanted here. And so if you're church shopping, listen, ding, 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 you've come to the right place. (laughs) This is it. Let's go into God in prayer. Will you pray for our time together with me and pray for me and pray for yourself? Lord, it's your spirit that does the work. It's your spirit that produces the fruit. Now I ask that your spirit will teach us and that he will transform us until Jesus Christ is formed in us. We ask it all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So thank you so much, Michael, St. Michael, for reading Romans 14. So what is it that causes disunity in the church? Now just think of the areas which have been hot buttons or are hot buttons in the 21st century church. The consumption of alcohol, forms of recreation like going to the movies and and dancing. Here recently, if you're paying attention to uh, uh, the Twitter or YouTube or social media, th- there's this de- debate about tithing. And then, then, then there's uh, the, the, one of my favorites, should you send your children to Christian schools or public schools or birth control or my favorite, tattoos, should you tattoo or not tattoo, And you can probably add to the list of hot-button issues that you have been exposed to or know about. And you know what? There are some differences that appear so large that it would seem that two or more different religions exist all under the name Christian. Been thinking about that. This week. Why, what is it that causes disunity? Not out in culture, we know why they're, dis, they're, they're, they're divided, but what is it that causes disunity in the church? Because that's who Paul is writing to in Romans. And you know what? It's, it's when followers of Jesus Christ, you and me, Get our focus off the center of our faith, who is Jesus, 
and start focusing on peripheral matters that don't matter. When we stop focusing on Jesus and start focusing on peripheral matters, that's when there becomes division and disunity in the church. So here's my point. One point, and we're going to unpack it. The focus of our faith is not on the what, but on the who. That's it. I can fold my tent, go home, and let you wrestle with that. The focus of our faith is not on the what, but on the who. I almost missed this. I've been reading this passage and over-reading it. And until yesterday, I was sitting down and I was looking at, when I prepare a sermon, who's doing the verbs in the sermon? And then I hit central F because I wanted to know how many times God was mentioned in this passage, in these 23 verses. And do you know what? God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are mentioned 24 times in 23 verses. I think Paul is hinting at something. I think he's trying to communicate to the first century believers and us over here in the heights at Church of the Apostles is that, that we need to make sure that we're not focusing on what but on who. You know, Paul divides his letters into two major sections, doctrinal section and then a practical one. And, and, and since chapter 12, we've been in that practical section where he says, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Paul is now communicating us from chapter 12 on to chapter 16, what does a life transformed by the gospel look like? What does your life as a follower of Jesus Christ, what does it look like now that you have been transformed or now that you are being transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ? Because Christians are at different levels of spiritual maturity, aren't we? And, 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 and we all have different backgrounds and, th th and all those backgrounds color our attitudes and practices. But Paul says the focus of our faith is not on the what, but on the who. And he says, and let me, let me, let me, let me split this in half and sum it up uh, in, in two uh, uh, headings. When we focus on Jesus in verses 1 through 12, Paul says, when we focus on Jesus, we won't judge. There's tension between two groups within the church community. You could call them the conservatives and the libertarians. The, 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 Paul calls them, first, the weak. They, 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 they are unable to give up their commitment to the dietary laws and observance of the Sabbath. They're, they're the Jewish followers of the Messiah Jesus who were reluctant to give up certain ceremonial aspects of their religious heritage. 
For them, the Old Testament food laws expressed a particular understanding of Israel's special status as God's holy people and their separateness from the nations. The division between clean or edible and unclean, inedible foods corresponded to the division between holy Israel and the Gentile nations. Then, then you had the libertarians. They were strong. They were able to regard all food and drink as ritually clean with a clear conscience. They, they embraced the new freedom in Christ and they were unencumbered by an overly sensitive regard for the past. These are the two groups that Paul are dealing with here in Romans 14. He's dealing with this issue. And, 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 and listen at this, because I want us to understand the church was never meant to be a cozy country club of like-minded people of one people group or social uh, position or intellectual caliber. Listen, followers of Jesus Christ are not clones. We're not identical in all respects. And one of the challenges the church has always faced is that it included in its membership the, the, the rich and the poor, the, the, the powerful and the powerless from every section of society, the old and the young, adults and children, conservatives and radicals, and the followers of Jesus Christ, we do not despise or treat with contempt those who are still working through the relationship between their new faith in Christ and the psychological and emotional pressure of their previous life. It's not easy being a follower of Jesus Christ in the first century. It's definitely not easy being a follower of Jesus Christ in the 21st century. The first lesson to learn as the believers, Paul says, is to stop judging other believers. Especially on disputable matters of opinion, watch this, masquerading as belief that we have made biblical doctrine that are not contingent on salvation. Let me say that again. Let me, let me, let me, let me replay that. The first lesson that you need to learn as a believer is to stop judging others, especially other believers, especially on disputable matters of opinion. I always tell Kira, we're talking, and I say, listen, it's easy for us to get an opinion, and then it slips into a belief. And now we've got a, 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 a disputable matter masquerading as a belief, and then we found some biblical scripture to support it, and that it's not even contingent on, on salvation. It's not even a salvation matter. We could get in all kinds of debates, role of women in ministry, 
Uh, it, 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 when we take the sacrament, is it real presence? Yes, by the way. Or is it just a, uh, uh, it's just a meal uh, that we celebrate in memory of Jesus? Well, it's definitely more than that. And we'll get so bogged down into majoring in minors. The reason a strong believer should not despise a weak one and the reason that a weak believer should not condemn the strong one, Paul says, is that God has accepted and welcomed both of them. That's why any follower of Jesus who is tempted to judge another believer must face Paul's question, who are you to judge another person's servant. God welcomed and accepted you with all of your baggage, with all of your issues, with all of your idiosyncrasies. God puts up with you and me, he accepts us and welcomes us. He even loves us and adores us. And Paul says to us as followers of Jesus Christ, no matter where you are in your walk with God, listen, you and I accept one another because we're living in the overflow of the acceptance and welcome we receive from God. That's what he, in verse 7, he says, the purpose of Jesus' death and resurrection was that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. I thought this was a weird portion of Scripture, but it makes sense that, that Jesus' lordship is universal. His subjects are not merely those who are alive at the present time here in this room, but also those who have died previously are also subject to his authority. Therefore, he is the judge of both the living and the dead. And then Paul quotes Isaiah 45 and 23 in support of the validity of this universal judgment. He says in verse 11, every knee will bow before God. Every knee, every knee, and every tongue will acknowledge him as God. But you, you remember that because he quotes it, or he's already used it in Philippians chapter uh, uh, number 2. He says, he says in verse 12, listen, the, 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 the the deal is each of us will have to answer for God by himself. When I go to God, when, it's, when I go, when I, uh, uh, as Shakespeare says, shuffle this mortal coil and I'm standing in God's presence, I'm reminded of that story. This is not in my notes. 
of, 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 of one of my bishops growing up in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, uh, uh, Bishop Adam Jefferson Richardson, who is now the senior bishop of the church. He tells the story of, of when he was younger, his older sister and husband lived uh, not far away, and so he went to hang out with them. And one Sunday, they had dinner, and after supper, his brother-in-law, he said, hey, young brother-in-law, you, you, you want to go with me? Uh, uh, to some uh, uh, major uh, league uh, baseball practice, and you know he's a teen. He says, "Well, why not?" And so they get going, and 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 they're on their way. And Bishop Richardson says it, it dawns on him. He says, uh, uh, "Brother-in-law, uh, uh, how am I gonna get in? I ain't got no money." And he said, "Don't worry about it. We'll 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 we'll, we'll take care of that when we get there." And, 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 and then, he, then his brother-in-law, who, 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 who was a part of the practice, say, look back in the back, A.J., there's a uniform. Uh, uh, I want you to throw me uh, the blue uniform, and you take the red uniform. He said, well, I, uh, good, good. But the problem is, I ain't got no money, and, and you got the right color uniform, and I got the wrong color uniform. So the question is, how am I going to get in to this practice? He said, A.J., don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with it when we get there. And so they get there to the baseball field, and, and of course, you, you, you need a ticket. You need money to get in if you're not on the practice squad. And, 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 and so A.J.'s brother-in-law walks in because he got his uniform, and the, and, and the ticket uh, uh, taker looks at him, uh, A.J., and, and A.J. just points to his brother-in-law and says, I'm with him. That's the same thing that you and I are going to do when we get to heaven. We're going to get there, and the Father's going to say, How are, why should I let you into my heaven. And I'm going to do just like A.J. did to his brother-in-law. I'm going to point to my elder brother, Jesus, and I'm going to say, I'm with him. That's it. You're with him. My judgment is going to be placed on Jesus, and Jesus' righteousness is going to be placed on me. Each and every believer will stand before the judgment seat of God. Hear me, church. We stand before God in the awful loneliness of our own souls. To him, we can take nothing but the character which in life we have been building up. That's the only thing we can bring. And we're going to be welcomed because of Jesus. That's what Paul says. We don't, we don't get in an argument with them. We welcome them. Listen, I was thinking, what, 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 what sense does it make? But then I remembered Paul's writing in, in, in Romans chapter 5. He says, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But verse 8, he says, but God shows his love for us 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He welcomed us. He received us. He accepted us. And Paul says, when we focus on Jesus, we ain't got time to judge because we remember that God welcomed us and we live in the grace of that welcome. And now in the overflow of that welcome, we welcome others. We focus on Jesus. But then he says in verses 13 through 23, when we focus on Jesus, we won't hinder other believers. Now, in these verses, Paul moves from attitude, judging, to action, hindering, or causing someone to stumble. Paul reveals where he stands personally on the issue of, 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 of can you eat this or can you uh, celebrate that or do you not celebrate that or have to drink this or eat this. He, listen, Paul gives his personal opinion on the issue of a disputable matter. At the other end of the table, from the, those weak in faith, those whose conscience will not allow them to eat meat from the pagan market, marketplace or miss the observance of sacred days are the strong in faith, the group which Paul, was, which Paul specifically identifies himself. But then he does something. He introduces into the discussion that which makes the Christian perspective in human relationships so radical. He does this. He's, even if you believe you are right, if your actions cause a spiritually weaker, less mature brother or sister to stumble in his or her own faith, you are to stop what you are doing. Now, there's something very important about that I love. It's, it's a kingdom mindset. It's a kingdom understanding. It's the idea and the concept that a person who has been transformed by the gospel would have. What, 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 what's most important is to act, Paul says, in love. When a follower of Jesus insists on his or her own rights to the detriment of a fellow believer, that person is no longer acting in love. Paul says he always gets back to the same thing. Are you motivated by love? Is love the reason why you're doing it? A follower of Jesus should judge himself and his actions so that he does not place a stumbling block or obstacle or anything that leads another to sin. It, it, this, this, Paul is saying, listen, this is, this is an issue of selfishness over selflessness. This is not Selfie Christianity, where you're always in the mirror looking at yourself and looking out for yourself and wondering how is this going to be advantageous for you and protect your comfort zone. Paul said, this ain't that kind of Christianity. 
This is the kind of faith where you put the needs of others before your own. There's a thought. And it's, it's, it's total, totally radical from the world's point of view. The world would say to the weaker brother or sister, get a life. Get up. Get over it. Stop whining. But Paul says to the stronger brother or sister, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Paul takes the focus of responsibility off the weaker believer and puts it on the stronger believer. He takes the focus off the one who has uh, scruples about what you eat or what you drink or what you celebrate. He takes it off of them and he puts it on the person who has the freedom and the liberty. Boy, that's, that's, that's crazy. He, he, he focuses the responsibility on the stronger individual in the fellowship. Paul reminds us in verses 15 through 22 what the Christian life is really about. The important thing is not to insist on the principle of Christian freedom or to seek to convert others to your point of view, but to be considerate of others' sensitivities on disputable matters. If we place a higher value on our eating and drinking than on our love for others, what kind of faith is that? How strong is my faith if I put my own interests first? We've been set free from bondage to sin, so we're able to love others as God has always intended based on his spirit's work in our lives. And we can do this now because of our faith. What Paul is doing is saying, listen, you have some different perspectives, but remember, you're one people. You're one people who have been redeemed. You want, you're one people who have been delivered and set free. You're one people whom God in his son Jesus Christ has shed his blood for. You're focusing on the what and not on the who. Twenty-four times in 23 verses, Paul goes back to God, God, Lord, Lord, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the Lord, God. Because for Paul and for us, our focus is not on the what we believe before the who we believe. In a moment, we're going, to, we're going to confess our faith together in the Nicene Creed. The Nicene is what we believe 
about who we believe in. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to stand together in concert and announce and remind and encourage and build each other up in the most holy faith by saying we may have some uh, uh, different uh, ideas and convictions about certain things, but one thing, the one thing, the main thing that we all agree upon is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who emptied himself into the womb of a virgin and who virgin womb was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit in the same way the Holy Spirit overshadowed creation in Genesis and that virgin gave birth to a perfect human being who lived the perfect life that we fail to live each and every day and that perfect human being died the most horrible death that you could die by allowing himself to be nailed in his hands and nailed in his feet and pierced in his side and whipped with 39 lashes and who suffered in your place for your sin for your rebellion, for your disobedience, for your selfishness, for your pride, for your anger issues, for your addiction, for your... He did that in your place. And then for the same people that crucified him, he allowed himself to be laid in a tomb for three days. I love that Joseph only gave it to him because Joseph knew he would only need it for the weekend. And three days later, that same human being got up out of that grave, raised by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that lives inside you, every believer in this room who accepts you and welcomes you again. And again, and again, and over again, after you fail, after he delivers you and you say, I'm never going to ever do that again, after you make all kinds of big lie promises. Every week, we've got to remember, it's not about the what, that's secondary. Or tertiary. It's about the who. Who helps me love my wife and my children. It's the who who helps me understand people on different sides of abortion and homosexuality. It's the who. Not the what. It's the who. There's disunity in your relationship because you're not focusing on the who, Jesus. You're focusing on the what. 
with your parents. There may be some issues because you're an adult, but they're struggling to release you and see you as an adult. You're 30 now. They should get it by now. You've got to focus on the who, not on the what. Let's pray. Lord, it's your spirit that does the work. It's your spirit that produces the fruit. Now, I pray that your spirit will teach us. Your spirit will transform us until Jesus Christ is formed in us. We ask it all in the strong name of Jesus. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.